Early one morning while making the rounds, I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down. I went right home and I went to bed. I stuck at loving 44 beneath my head. Got up next morning and I Welcome back to another episode of Don't Sue Me Bro, the podcast hosted by me, Brandon Harper. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with, others you won't, and I am perfectly okay with that. I think the world would be a better place if we could all disagree without being so dang disagreeable. There's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. And if there's another thing you need to know about me, it's that I can tell you where to find the world's best hammocks. That's worldsbesthammocks.com. How do you know, you say? Because I sell them there. I've traveled the world looking for the world's best hammocks, and I've found them, and I import them from Nicaragua, and I sell them to you. So don't delay. Where else can you find the world's best anything for a few hundred bucks? And I'm trying to get back on track keeping my intros less than one minute. So sit back, relax, and let me control your brain for about the next hour or so. I spied his sheriff coming down the line. Up then he coughed as he cleared his throat. He said, come on, you dirty hack into that district court. Into the courtroom my trial began, where I was handled by 12 honest men. Just before the jury started out, I saw that little judge come as to look about. I bet y'all thought I skipped a week, didn't you? Here I am on Monday, July 10th, 2023. It's hot as Hades outside, and Bitcoin is hovering around $30,700. And it's about 955 degrees outside, but I won't bore you complaining about the weather because you know that it's hot, because I always say when it's hot. Speaking of hot, they found cocaine up in the White House. Cocaine in the White House. Why does that not surprise me? And I've heard all the clever jokes. Brandon, that's probably not the first time cocaine's been in the White House. I know, I'm not saying it's the first time cocaine's been in the White House. I'm saying it's the first time we've ever found cocaine in the White House and it's made it public. And all I really have to say, all I can think about is, are we surprised? Are we surprised that there's cocaine in the White House? Even if we take out Hunter Biden, which, you know, if he was there, it's likely it was his. The guy's done drugs his whole life, you know? I wish they would just own it. I wish they would just say, yes, Hunter was here. We're trying to help him. He's got a cocaine problem. He's addicted to crack. He's addicted to heroin. He's addicted to meth. He likes to make babies and not take care of them. He does deals with the Chinese. We get it, but just own it, you know? Have we heard anything else about it? No, we haven't because they don't They don't want to own it. This, these types of people... The politicians, the people that get into politics because it's like a popularity contest? You think I'm kidding. It's not. This is why a majority of people, of our politicians, are in politics. It's just another extension of the class president. It's people who need to feel important. They want to be in charge. They want to be the ones that are respected. They can't earn respect in the real world, so they get voted into office. So these are the kind of people that don't pursue why there was cocaine in their office. I can tell you right now, 
If someone found cocaine in my office, I would get to the bottom of it. I would figure out who it was, and I would make it known. And then I would make a mockery of them. But, oh, no, we just we just keep on going, yep, oh, yeah, no, they found cocaine in the White House. Yeah, well, we're, that's our government today, right? We just we found cocaine in the White House, so we're just going to keep just keep doing what we're doing, sending money to Ukraine and promoting transsexuals everywhere we possibly can. This is the party of the people who want to make all drugs legal. Now, don't get me wrong. I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that. But we can't just make some legal over here and some illegal over there. Let's just make it all legal and let the druggies wash themselves out. I know it's brutal. It's hard to think about that. It's hard to conceptualize it. And you're right. I don't know what it's like to have a drug problem. But I honestly feel, and this is just my opinion, you don't have to agree with it, that's fine. I feel like that the 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 average people who represent the left, they don't operate on a sense of morality and a sense of principalities. They tend to just generally go through life and say, just do whatever makes you feel good. And that's fine. You know what? That's That's the way they want to live their life. But the other side of the spectrum is, no, we have a set of principles. We have things that guide our decisions. And it's not just what makes you feel good in the moment. It's a lot of other things that equate to someone's morals. And like I said, you can disagree. You may think that the left, the liberal side of the spectrum, they have morals and principles. I don't know what they would be. I don't, I don't know what they are because they've, they've been changing, right? How do I... How do I know they've been changing, you might ask? Well, I got this thing called the Internet. Here, listen. The president. Wait, this this is Joe Biden, by the way, before he got real slurry, okay? When he's going to sound like a different person. This was when his brain functioned like normal, not today when he's like mushy mouth and you can hardly understand him and he gets lost on stage. This is the old Joe Biden talking about a constitutional amendment. Well, here, you, you just listen. The president used his radio address uh, yesterday and tomorrow in the Rose Garden to talk about a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. You know, think about this. The world's going to Hades in a handbasket. We are desperately concerned about the circumstance relating to uh, avian flu. We don't have enough vaccines. We don't have enough police officers. And we're going to debate the next three weeks, I'm told gay marriage, a flag amendment, and God only knows what else. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. That's Joe Biden, back in clear, clear day Joe Biden, 2008-ish. And so this is just one example of how these people don't really have a sense of morality or a set of principles. They will just change to whoever meets their needs for that specific time. And I say all that to say this. We're not surprised that we found cocaine in the White House because these people don't have morals. Can you have morals and do cocaine? Yeah, sure, you absolutely can. But in order for you to just accept it being found in your office and not make a big stink is a problem mainly because it would, it's a double standard, right? Imagine the reaction if they found cocaine in Trump's White House. It would be all over every news station, wall-to-wall coverage, 24 hours a day. They would be voting on whether or not to impeach him. And here we are, just we act like nothing happened. We're just going about our day. And like I said, I'm all about drugs. Do all the drugs you want to do. 
but let's not take it in the White House. Let's not, like, let's just say that I was a cocaine user. I like to do cocaine. I have a sense of morals, and I'm good with coke, okay? We can all do cocaine, and I go to the White House. I would never in a million years take it out or leave it there or probably even have it on me because I have a sense of morality, and I don't want to bring something into some place that's not mine that could cause lots of trouble for lots of people. But there's some idiot who's guaranteed not aligned with the Republican values that went into the White House and left his cocaine. I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? Yep. No, you haven't. Yes, you're I have. Lying dog faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. All right, fine, Joe. You can be honest with me. To bring it all back together, the, the real reason, and it's taken me a while to figure this out in my own dang head. The real reason that it bothers me about the cocaine situation was that cocaine was found. That's crappy. It's a crappy thing to announce to the world that cocaine was found in the White House. The next crappy thing is that nobody made a vow to figure it out and get to the bottom of it and hang the guy who did it. The next part that's crappy is that the media barely even covered it. And on top of all that, we know what this would have looked like if it were Trump, right? So that all leads me to this double standard that just drives me nuts. And what it really tells me is that people are willing to bend what they think is important based on whether they think something will help them or not. And I know when you say it out loud and you think about it, that's kind of a no-brainer. People will people will support whatever helps them. But you have to remember that we're electing these people to represent the people. We're not electing these people to represent what they think is best. We're electing these people to represent what we think is best, or at least that's the intention. But I don't know about you, but for me, it feels like we've gone off route. Now we're electing people because we support what they think. You follow me? Now, it just so happens that that at times can correlate, co-align with whatever it is that we think. But I would be willing to bet that the number of people or all the people who think that gay marriage should be allowed and accepted and have the same amount of rights as straight marriage felt that same way eight years ago or or 10 years ago. They didn't feel like Biden did, but here they are supporting him and voting for him. It it blows my mind over and over and over again. And I, and I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it's only the Democrats. The Republicans don't have a double standard because they do. They absolutely do. The, the types of people who become politicians today are the types of people that are perfectly okay with double standards and perfectly okay changing with a whim based on who donated them money and who can make them richer after they get out of office. And that is not a joke. Not a joke. I love the Mexican people. Uh, Look at my African-American over here. Look at him. See, Trump's not racist. And here is uh, your president trying to order Chinese food. And, and, And Joan... Shangang, Shanga, nope, nope, try again. He's still buffering. Koala. There you go. I think I pronounced it correctly. She can call me Joe Bidden. You know, I've been uh, asking people lately, friends of mine, people that I trust, people I do business with, you know, kind of just taking a general sense of opinion. And I ask them, I say, what is more important in an organization, like a business structure? or a non-profit, or something like that. What's more important, systems or culture? And the situation 
at the White House is kind of what spurred this thought. Uh, and, you know, I'm of the opinion that culture is just a little bit more important than, than systems. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, if you've got a group of people, whether they're paid or unpaid, and you need them to work for you, you need them to accomplish tasks, help you accomplish your tasks, I think it's more important for a group of people that need to work together to have a sense of culture, a sense of belonging, togetherness, uh, a symbiotic relationship than it is to have process and procedures and protocols and then fill out this report and you must do this and you must do that. I'm having terrible problems with my audio, guys, so I don't. if, if it sucks, I'm sorry. But I think that having a, a sense of culture within an organization is more powerful than systems. Now, you have to have both. You have to have a good culture and good systems in place. But if you had to pick one or the other to focus your time and energy on, I'm of the opinion that culture is more important. Now, I've gotten interesting answers from different people, and it's been cool to hear what everyone thinks. But in the situation with the cocaine in the White House, I feel like if they would have had a culture, if they had a culture in place of, hey, when you come to this place, you, you don't do wrong stuff. You don't be doing bad stuff. You do right stuff. You leave your drugs at home. You come here to do business. You respect this place. But people don't have that. If that sense of doing right ain't ingrained in your head, you're not going to do it. And I don't know why we don't realize this. We don't understand. We don't look at impoverished communities and inner cities and say, hey, what's going on here? Are they all killing each other because of racism? Are they all killing each other because they're poor? Because there's other communities all over the country that are poor and black that don't kill each other. Well, what it boils down to is a sense of culture. They've never been taught that it's not right to kill people, at least not by their parents. They, were, they may get taught by the law. They may get reprimanded for killing someone, but that's not learning. Well, it is learning, but you shouldn't learn from the law. But if you have a group of people who are motivated to do the right thing and they, they take pride in doing the right thing, then you don't necessarily have to have systems. You don't have to have things like strict gun control. You know, you don't have to rely on systems because you can trust that people will make the right decision. And this just holds true over, over time, over history, right? In the 1800s, people weren't worried about gun control because everyone around them had a sense of morality. Every now and then you got a, a, a grifter, as they called him, who came through town, or there was a guy that would rob the trains every now and then. But because the sense of morality was so strong in the surrounding communities, they would run the people out. They would police themselves. And as time went on, we've lost that sense of morality. We've lost that the willingness and the desire to do the right thing. That's that's all <laughs> that's the only way I can explain it. And I can't quite put my finger on it. I guess it's just it's just things that happen to developing societies. And it's not, in my opinion, you don't just do what makes you feel good. You do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing doesn't make you feel good. And typically, when you're faced with a decision, the writer, the more correct is the more difficult path. I know writer is not a word, but it just came out of my tongue, and I'm not going to go edit it. Let me just tell you all. We, I go back and listen to these one time, and I hear so many mistakes. And you know what? It makes me a little bit less critical when I'm listening to other people do it because I was listening to the one that I did last week, and I said the word shirt instead of pants. And, man, it got all mixed up, and you don't even realize it when you're, just, when you're going, you know? But when you go back and listen to it, you're like, whoa, I really screwed that up. But anyway, back to my point. 
I think that a, a sense of morality is lost, and that that is just a, an indicator that shows that our civilization is sinking. And I know I don't want to be all doom and gloom and say the end is near, but and I don't know if it's near, but the end is coming. We, the end is coming to, to the collapse of this our, our Western American civilization. I've been studying or reading uh, books about the fall of Rome. And so many similarities that are happening then are happening now, right? People become less moral in general. People become more violent in general. People become more promiscuous in general. And I'm not saying it's going to be next year and go out and buy some rice and beans, although I recently just bought a bunch of rice and beans, but that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit crazy. I get it. At the same time, anyone who tells you that society will collapse and they don't know how long it will be, if they don't have some preparedness, then they don't, they're not really honest with themselves. They're not Because if they really felt that, they would go out and prepare. And I'm not a prepper, but you know what? I have a decent amount of things stored somewhere in case I need them that could get me through. And I hope they go to waste. I hope I never need them. I hope they rot and I never touch them. And back in the 50s and 60s when people did that, and even in the 70s and the 80s when people did that, they were considered kooks. They were crazy. And now there's TV shows about people who do it. So back to my point, which I frequently diverge away from, is that it's it's important to recognize that culture matters. And you might think that systems are more important, and that's fine too. But if you look at the situation of the things that are happening around us, a lot of these things could be resolved if we had a strong sense of culture. And the only thing it takes to maintain a sense of culture is to maintain a high set of standards for yourself and those around you, including your children. Speaking of set of standards, have we heard from Kamala Harris lately? Let's listen to Kamala Harris talking about the hands of the passage of time. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Uh, yeah, that's. I was thinking the same thing. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the Miss South Carolina uh, pageant interview. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very much, South Carolina. I'm telling you, that's Kamala. That's Kamala Harris right there. Y'all think it's Miss South Carolina, but really it's Miss Kamala. You know, John Wayne, he said it best. He said, life's tough, but it's even tougher when you're dumb. And you're right. I'm hard. I'm hard on these people. You know why? Because they run the world. They run the entire freaking globe. 
And since we cannot figure out how to elect people with morality and integrity, we have to hold our feet to the fire. We have to call them out on their nonsense. And this is something that has been going on since the minute she lost the Iowa caucus. She can't hardly make sense out of nothing. And it drives me crazy. I've been witch hunt since day one. I've been fighting acquisitions after acquisitions. So did I divide the city? Yes. No. no. The city was divided before I even stepped foot into the office. city was divided before I even stepped foot into the office. I like it how sometimes when black people talk and they're getting all worked up, I guess sometimes it happens to white people too, but I've noticed this trend, and I think it stems from church, when, they're, when they will pose a question, we'll be like, have I divided this office? And then people back will go, nope, no, no, sister, no, uh-uh, no way. And for some reason, I really like that. I think that's a, that's a funny thing. And if you don't think that's funny, well, then that's okay, you know? If you think it's racist, that I think that's a funny character trait of the black culture. There's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do to change your mind. You about to lose your job. You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me. For nothing. nothing. Okay, moving along, moving along. Here, I'm going to read to you the blurb, just a, a headline, okay? And you, you can just formulate your own opinions while I'm reading it, and then I'll share with you mine. And I apologize if I sent this to you, if you're one of my friends. And I already sent it to you, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to do it now. Anyway, the USDA is paying $2.2 billion out to the farmers who were discriminated against. So here we are. Now we've got $2.2 billion in taxpayer money. And we're going to pay it out to farmers who feel like they've been discriminated against. So for farmers who feel like they've been screwed over on a loan because of their skin color. Now... How can we be going through this at the same time the Supreme Court just ruled that we cannot use affirmative action to select college students? We can't use it as part of the criteria. But we do think it's good to go out there and give loans or free money to people just based on their skin color. I mean, this is what the hypocrisy and the double standards never cease to blow my mind. You want to talk about pissing off some farmers? You want to talk about making people mad? Listen, this happened to us during the scamdemic. They said, oh, we have some more money available, but it's only for people of color or women. So if you have a vagina or your skin is not white, then you can borrow the money. But if you have a penis and your skin is white, then you don't get to borrow the money. And that's exactly how I picture someone saying that. Imagine being a farmer, a white farmer who can barely make it year to year. You you people think the farmers are rich. You know, the, the guys who've had family farms three or four generations, sure, they're probably doing okay. But the average farmer works like a dog, sun up to sundown, a completely thankless job. He's at the mercy of the market. He doesn't have a choice where to sell his product to. And you think that those guys are going to be okay? knowing that the guy down the street who's in the exact same position that he is gets a loan, a discounted loan, or free money because of his skin color? Like, what happened to the idea that Slurry Joe was going to bring the country together? Because it doesn't feel like that's happening. And maybe it's just me. Maybe you think, you know what? We're doing really good. We're, we're, we're squashing our differences and racism's going away. Personally, I'm of the opinion 
that white supremacy and this white racism movement that everyone's talking about is a completely contrived mirage that the media has created. That the, the media has created this because they're paid for clicks. They're, they're not paid for accurate information. They get paid based on how many people click on the article. So they're motivated to put these things out there that make people feel emotional about topics and say, oh my gosh, another white cop killed another black guy? I'm going to click on that and just see what happened. I want to I want to know the guy's name. I want to hear the interview of the mom. I want to hear, he he was just a good boy. He didn't have no problems with nobody. And the police just stormed up in his house and shot him. That's what. And because it works, because the, it works for people to feel emotional and they click on things, the media sees that and they say, wow, look how good this article did. See, when they say things like, look how good this did, that just means... Look how many people saw it. Look how many people shared it. Look how many people read it. And so the goal is not to produce accurate information. The goal is to get as many people to look at it as you possibly can. Whether or not the information is accurate isn't that important to them. And I understand it. They've hacked the system. They've broke the algorithm, and they've figured out what to do to make people click on things. But it's our job. You know, it, it's not like we need some regulatory agency to go out there and tell us what's What's true? Fact checkers. We can't trust them either. It's our job as citizens to decipher what's true and what's not. And I think that, and then I also think out the other side of my brain, well, let's not forget that we made the Kardashians famous, that we have proven through history what we find important. And we don't find the truth important. We find things important that have to do with people getting their wieners chopped off and whether or not they can swim against other people without wieners. I mean, that to me, that is of so little importance, it's barely worth discussing. It's barely worth discussing. But yet, you'll see even the people who call themselves right-wing will sit around and every single day talk about pride and trans. And that's why I think Twitter may be the thing that brings information back. You know, it... Elon said it's an information machine as opposed to click machines, which is what we've we've been having. And as I was thinking about this whole situation, I thought to myself how valuable the information is that the media has that sees what we click on, that sees what we spend our time doing. It's so valuable that it's made all these big tech companies gigantic. Apple just hit over $3 trillion in value. That's worth more than a lot of countries with militaries. And so we're just now starting to figure out how to how to collect data. We've, we've figured out how to collect it. We're just now starting to figure out how to analyze it and use it. And the new uh, large language model, which is what ChatGPT runs on, is going to increase our ability to organize this data exponentially. So for those of you who haven't played with ChatGPT, it's kind of like a search engine. You can type into it anything you want, and instead of giving you links of potential answers, it just gives you what it thinks the answer is. And it's way more detailed than that basic explanation I just gave. You can tell it to write you a joke. You can tell it to write you a song. You can ask it about the weather on a historical date. You can ask it for love advice. You can ask it for rules to games. Anything you could think of that you would ask Google, you can ask this, and it spits out an answer. You can say, write me a contract to... to Sell a car, and it'll just spit it out right there. And what it uses to generate this information 
is everything that's ever been written, basically, that's on the internet. So it's a it's a huge database of all the data that's ever been created. And I don't know exactly how it recalls it or how it pieces it together, but it does. It takes all the information, puts it together, and gives you an answer in a very short amount of time. Now imagine if it had access to everything that you had written in your entire life, which it will one day. Maybe not yet, but it will soon. Imagine how well it would know you. It would know based on how much time you spent looking at things and the types of things that you looked at and what you researched and probably what you laughed at and what you responded to in text messages. Imagine having all that information about one person and being able to organize it and dial it in and use it to put things in front of that person that will make you money. Of course you're going to do it. So this idea of the media dividing us is only going to get worse. It is not going to get better because as time goes on, the people who collect this data and analyze this data will continue to use it to make money. And the way they do that is by feeding it to us. And in return, we follow exactly what they think we're going to follow with us. Click on a link to buy something. You know, I've been looking at vehicles lately and my Instagram feed is nonstop full of car ads. But you don't have to say that anymore, right? People aren't people aren't surprised by that anymore. I just wonder what's the next thing that's going to surprise us. I'd be willing to bet that one day, probably not too far away, you'll be able to turn on a feature, probably through Amazon. That's called like the just try it out or send it to me. And things will just show up on your front porch and you open the box and then you scan something with your phone and you click yes or no. Do I, do I want to keep this or send it back? And that's it. If you click no, you close the box back up, put it on your front porch, they'll come get it. And it will all be based on the things you look at, how much money you spend, how much money you have in your bank account. And oh yes, that's coming. Don't you worry. I know that Amazon doesn't know how much money you have now, but they will whenever we go to a uh, government-backed cryptocurrency. So just keep that in your mind. We are we are on our way out of the how do we collect data and we are on our way into what can we do with this data that's spectacular. That's where we headed. Give me the go. I want the go. Bro, I'm really about to get your pickle chin that boy. Egg on that concrete head that boy. Oh head that boy, oh dirt that boy, stink that boy, afro head that lip gloss chin that boy, ugly that boy, ugly dirt that Collard green head ass boy. That's my favorite from that one. Oh, pickle head chin ass boy. Joe Biden, tell us about this award in Florida. And we see it here again today in companies like, and I hope I pronounced it right. You won't. Uh, uh, Ame Power? Nope. Amy. Ame? Amy. I believe that's right, yeah. Ame Power. Florida Small Business Winner Award winner, or uh, Business Week winner. I won. You won. I know. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Our president can't put a sentence together. Ha, ha, ha. I wonder if Joe Biden is aware that he's getting the awkward laugh. It's not the, it's not the you made us chuckle laugh. It's the ha, 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 ha. And then they go on about their day whispering about him not being able to read a teleprompter. Okay, moving from one old, crusty government leader to another you guys remember me talking about janet yellen so janet yellen is the secretary of treasury she used to be the chairman of the federal reserve board you don't need to worry too much about what she does for a living just know that 
she's one of these people that went to college, went to more college, went to more college, started working in the government, and is now worth $20 million. And no one really knows how, and no one really knows where she got the money. Speaking engagements, apparently, you know, I guess she's just such a wealth of knowledge that it would just be honored to have you, Miss Yellen, and speak to us in our organization. So here she is. She also, right in the middle of the pandemic, well, maybe not in the middle, it was towards the end, she's responsible for knowing and reacting to inflation. Let's just leave it at that. And so they asked her, hey, you're, you're shutting everything down. You're starting everything up. It's going to lead to price instability. Are you not worried that this is going to lead to inflation? And she goes, we feel that inflation's going to be transitory. And that's just a fancy way of saying it'll be over. When the pandemic's over, prices will fall back into line immediately and everything will be fine. Here she was in March being questioned about her, her call, her prediction. But last time you appeared here with uh, with uh, Chair uh, Powell, you had uh, claimed you felt inflation was, at that point, transitory. Do you still believe that today? So, um, Very short, please. I think when I used the word transitory, I was thinking that it's related to the pandemic and that when the pandemic goes away, that will make a big difference. Do you still, still believe, believe it's transitory? That. I believe that the pandemic, unfortunately, has been and will be longer lasting okay. than I anticipated. So you still, basically you're saying the pandemic is still happening, therefore we're, that's why we're still seeing inflation. Well, I think that's one of the contributors okay. to it. Okay. Um, all right. So. Okay, sorry, that, that's not from March. That's from April of 22. So it was posted this past March, but it was recorded in April of 22. So... My whole point is that these people, they don't know. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's happening. They're getting paid bukus of money, regardless of whether they're right or wrong. And so it really bothers me that we're taking these people, these professional students, and putting them in the position of running the federal government, dealing with things like monetary policy and fiscal policy and how the country will operate, what it will do with its treasury, right? I don't know what the balance is of the U.S. Treasury account, but it's a lot of money. And she's the head boss lady of all that. And look how wrong she was about inflation being transitory. She completely missed the mark. In the business world, if you were that wrong, if you missed the mark and said, well, you know what, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, well, we, we're going to see some inflation, but as soon as, the, in, as soon as the pandemic's gone, inflation goes away. And so you build your plan around that. You model accordingly. You say, okay, we're going to take this person at their word. Here's what we need to do. We need to go out and invest in this. We need to stop investing in that. We need to shift gears so that we're in a good position to deal with what's about to happen. And then this lady missed it by 180 degrees. And then we don't hold them accountable. You know, we they're not. she's not even an elected position. She's appointed. And, I mean... You can criticize me if you want to, but I think this was Biden saying, like, I put a woman in there. Look at me. I'm diverse. I'm putting women in there. Not that I have any problem with women whatsoever, but this particular woman has clearly demonstrated she does not know what she's doing. 
I think it would be good if they had real world experience. If they actually, you know, like 80% of this country's business happens through small businesses. Put her out there. Let her know what it's like to try to make payroll. Although she'll never have to deal with it, at least she'll have some sense of understanding what the normies go through, what guys like me go through. And then when she's making these decisions, maybe she could spend some more time figuring out whether they're right or they're wrong or figuring out where she should get her information from or figuring out who else she could go talk to that might know that inflation's not transitory. And furthermore, these people act like it was the pandemic that did this to us. Like, oh, it was just out of our control. We just, it was the virus and we had to do something. So we just stopped doing things. And now the whole world's in shambles and we're trying to figure out why. And instead of taking the blame and saying, yep, you know, it was a terrible idea to shut everything down. And the main reason it was a terrible idea is because we had no plan to start things up. And when everyone started up at different times, it created all sorts of problems like supply chain issues and labor shortages. So we're going to take we've learned from that how to not do it next time. But nope, it's just, well, it's the fault of the pandemic. There's no accountability for these people. And I don't know what it would take. How wrong do they have to be before we start raising hell? I don't know. I, I'm doing it right now. So Janet Yellen also, she's taken a very great position on climate change. Now, if someone could explain to me why the Secretary of Treasury is even talking about climate change, I would be greatly appreciative of that. See, whenever you have people that are pushing agendas this hard, I'm a skeptic. I step back and I say, wait a minute. Why Why is it that the Secretary of Treasury is pushing money to be spent on climate change? Should we not ask why? Should we not be wondering, okay, that's a little bit weird, right? This is something for the Department of the Interior or the Wildlife and Fisheries Department, but the Secretary of Treasury? So, come to find out, Janet Yellen just got back from China. I mean, China. And I don't know why they would pick the weakest, oldest, little shriveled up librarian looking white lady to go over there and deal with the Chinamen. But they did. And so she went over there and had a meeting with them. And, and in the meeting, she made it very clear that we need to take the appropriate steps to address climate change. Now, imagine this. Somebody, some little old lady from the wealthiest country on the planet marches up into China, a country who's just kind of getting getting out of the developing phase, right? They're still kind of getting their feet underneath them, and they're on their way to being a powerhouse. They are, but they're not there yet. They're still primitive. There's still people, lots of people living without electricity. There's lots of people living in poverty. But she marches up in there with the intentions of talking about climate finance. Oh, that's right. You heard that correctly. We need to talk about climate finance. Why Why is this a thing? I don't know. I'm not sure why it is. Did you know that there's a fund that exists in the U.S.? It's called the Green Climate Fund. And these are climate investment funds. So you tell me how those work, right? This was a $10 billion fund that people are investing in. And I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that I understand 
how all the corruption works and how who's taking money from whom because that's that's a secret. That's those are trade secrets. Those are things that they don't let get out in the public. Now every now and then Hunter will his texts will get leaked and they'll, they'll just deny it. So from what I understand there's this fund and when you invest in this fund this makes loans and gives money to companies who are trying to support quote unquote the green initiative. And you might ask, well, why should they get money or cheap loans just because they're supporting the Green Initiative? Well, lucky for you, I'm going to tell you that. Remember that to follow the the path of green energy is less efficient than the way that we currently do things. So the most efficient engine is an internal combustion engine. That's what we use in our cars that we drive around with. Well, anything other than that, is less efficient. What do, you, what do I mean by efficiency? I mean it takes takes more energy in to get less energy out. And so whenever we choose to, quote-unquote, go green, there's an extra cost to it. So they've created this fund. It's a, a global fund that people can throw money into. And how they get returns, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe it's the loans that they're giving to these green energy people. But either way, this, this fund is doling out money to these companies all over the world. And Janet Yellen told the Chinese, we really would like for you to contribute more to the Green Climate Fund and the Climate Investment Funds, saying that the collaboration between the two countries on climate finance is critical. So you've got someone who deals with money, who's taking a big stance on climate change, going to a developing country and telling them that they need to invest more of their money into a green climate fund. If you can't put those pieces together, oh, let's not forget that our net worth is like $20 million. $20 million. Never worked a real job. Has only worked for the government. And you people know what I mean when I say a real job. A real job outside of the federal government, the institution of the government, where it's not required that you be efficient, it's not required that you make good decisions, it's not required that you come in early or you stay late or you can get fired for putting a bad presentation together. None of that matters. So you don't get paid on performance. So where does $16 million come from? I don't know. I don't know. But I really hope that things like the Internet and us being able to communicate with each other and us being able to point these things out and having access to this information is a road that we need to go down to get this stuff changed. Because in my opinion, there's nothing she could do to make herself worth $20 million. Now, maybe she inherited it. I don't know. Maybe she did. If she did, I'll stand corrected. I suspect that a large chunk of it comes from people who benefit from her policy. She's one of the most liberal Secretary of Treasuries we've ever had behind the person that was appointed by FDR. She loves regulation. She thinks that the government should be big and their role should be expansive and they should have lots of say in what happens. Well, what happens when the government has a say in what happens? They get to pick the winners and losers. They get to pick the companies who have to follow these rules and not follow these rules. And what happens when companies profit? They give money back to the people who made the policy. You see, these are the types of things they don't teach you in school. These are the types of things that I wish they would teach you in school. Although... High school is probably a little bit too young to understand how this works, but it would be good to plant the seed instead of pretending like it doesn't happen. I hope and I think that there's probably no teacher 
of government economics in a high school curriculum that doesn't think that lobbying is a, is a corrupt game. And if they think that, if we can all admit that lobbying is corrupt, we should teach that to children so that when they get older, they can understand how things work and they can pick and choose who they vote for accordingly. At this point, the corruption is rampant. There's, it would be tough to get it out. I, I, I'm just going to say that. That doesn't mean we have to accept it. We just have to recognize it. And we have to start picking people who seem less corrupt. And hopefully that will do it. Otherwise, it's all going to come crumbling down. Dead giveaway. Dead Charles, giveaway. Charles, thank you very Dead much. Dead giveaway. Thank you very much for your time. And either she's homeless or she got problems. That's the only reason why she run to a black man. You know what's frustrating to me? It's frustrating to me whenever you try to put together an event and people don't read their emails. Let me just explain to you what I mean. I'm going to vent. I'm going to vent for a minute like I don't normally do that. But I'm going to vent for a second. We hosted the 4th of July Fajita Cook-Off. I think I may have talked about it a little bit. We hosted that at the brewery. Man, I hate that word. On the 4th of July. Actually, it was the 2nd. It was Sunday, July 2nd. Did I already talk about this? I can't. I cannot remember, and I don't make good notes enough to know whether I talked about it. I don't think I did. So I was tasked with organizing this cook-off. Twenty-five teams. We provide the meat. We provide the beer. We provide the parking lot. You bring your own grill. You sign up, and all the prize money goes back to the contestants. So whoever wins the best gets the most money, and so on and so forth. And so I've kind of learned that the general public has lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of questions about everything all the time. It has been absolutely mind-boggling to see how many people ask questions about things that, in my opinion, are completely unimportant or can be sorted out at another time, right? So let me just explain to you. So I said, hey, once people entered, I sent them an email. This email had an attachment. It was four pages of information. Now, I realize that's a lot. I realize some people might get that and they might say, I'm not, I'm not reading all that. I'm just going to cook fajitas. You know, that's probably what I would do too. Okay. So I would probably do that. I would probably skim through it. But what I would do is also I would make it accessible so I could pull it up if I needed to. But so this had the information like, what time do we show up? Is there going to be power? Is there going to be water? What time is turning? How do we put our products in the box? Who do we take it to? How do we get our beer? How do we get our meat? Right? There's all these questions that people need to know the answers to, and I understand that they need to know the answers to them. But I put all those answers on a sheet of paper, and I emailed it to them, and they show up, and they're asking like a million questions, and every single one of the questions was on the page. I had one guy come like three days early, and they came and got me out of the office. They said, hey, there's a cook-off guy here who wants to talk to you. I said, okay. So I walk up there. How, how's it going? What can I help you with? Uh, yeah, my wife, uh, she said there's some kind of cooking competition or something going on here. I just kind of chuckled a little bit. And I go, that's it? That's all the information you got? You didn't, you didn't get the four pages of information that I sent out? No, uh-uh, no. My wife, she does all the emailing. And so I didn't see all that. I said, okay, well, what questions do you have? Well, I mean, what, you know, what is it? Well, it's a cook-off. We're going to supply you with fajita meat. And you're going to cook fajitas, and the best team will win. Okay, what time we got to be here? And he started asking me all the questions. So I said, look, man, maybe go home and talk to your wife and ask her to pull up that sheet because it has everything you could possibly want to know. 
And I'm learning a lot. I am learning a lot about the retail customer, the retail consumer's mindset. See, I've never really been involved in a business other than the sailboat business, which, I mean, that business was a dream because it's like you're, you're selling people the, the most magical time of their vacation. So there's not a lot that can really screw up there, right? But when you're calling a, a quote-unquote restaurant, people just think we're a barbecue restaurant that, I don't know, they, they call themselves a brewery, but I don't, I don't know, they sell brisket. There's a lot that people have expectations because people go to restaurants all the time. Well, people don't go on sailing trips all the time, so they don't really have many expectations. Now, that's not to say you can satisfy people people with a with a lower standard because they don't have expectations. It's just saying that they don't know what to expect. That's it. But a restaurant and a beer garden, people have expectations in their mind. And if you don't, if you fail to meet those expectations, then you've done something wrong. You've done, you've missed the mark. And so people will derive their own expectations without understanding why things are the way they are. And then if you don't meet those expectations, you're the one who screwed up. Like, I know I talked about it, the guy that I spent 30 minutes on the phone uh, one night at like 7 o'clock on a Friday night explaining to him why our ribs were, quote-unquote, so damn expensive. So I've learned that people have lots of questions, and now I take the time to put together the information so that all these questions can get answered. And they don't take the time to read them. And that's frustrating for people like me. It's frustrating for people who spend lots of time and energy to maintain organization and to assemble a process so that everyone can can complete this process as efficiently as possible. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I just thought it was odd. First, I thought it was odd that everyone had so many questions about everything all the time. Had some guy call up last week. Um, Do you have any gluten-free options? Mm, we sell brisket. There's no gluten in it. We sell ribs. We sell sausage. There's no... Okay, but, like, does your potato salad have gluten? I go, um, it, yes. Yeah, it does. Oh, because I didn't know. I didn't know. So I just say, yes, it, does, it has gluten, because I don't know. And I don't want to be responsible for you or your friends or your daughter eating something that's got gluten and dying and blaming me and saying, well, you said it didn't have gluten. And I get it. It's got to be frustrating to be gluten intolerant. You just got to deal with it, you know? It's your sickness. It's your ailment. I, I don't know. I don't have any kind of special needs. But if I did, I would never want to to be the one to call a restaurant and make someone stop what they're doing so that they can tell me whether or not they had gluten-free options. I would probably try to find their menu online, and I would find a couple of things on there, and I would think to myself, okay, they've got brisket and ribs, beans, who knows, Potato salad, who knows? If I need to, I'll just eat brisket and ribs. I don't want to I don't want to interrupt anyone's day on my behalf because I realize this is something that affects me and I don't want other people to have to deal with it. Is that is that weird? Is that odd? I don't know. I feel like most people I know or hang around with are that way. And I feel like most people who tend to vote for Joe Biden are the other way. And I'm just saying, that's all I'm saying. The idea that people should to meet your demands is just it's weird. It's weird to me. Like demanding that someone use the right pronouns. Like, dem- no, you will. You will call me sir. Uh, but you have a vajayjay. Yes, but I I will demand in my email that you will call me he him his. Okay. What happens if I don't? What happens if I don't do that? How about this? How about you can request whatever you want, and I'll call you whatever I want, and we'll call it even. And that. 
oftentimes it gets misconstrued as, well, I ain't calling no woman no man. I don't, I don't play that game. That's not necessarily the same. The, the biggest thing that I have a problem with is people demanding to be treated a certain way. Because you don't have a right to be treated respectfully. You, you don't, nobody owes you that. That doesn't mean you should treat someone disrespectfully, but you shouldn't have a chip on your shoulder because people aren't calling you what you demand to be called. I mean, what would happen if I walked into a grocery store? I'm like, everyone shall henceforth call me Sir Tomato. And if you didn't call me Sir Tomato, I'd be mad at you. You'd be like, you're a silly man. You're walking around d- demanding to be called a Sir Tomato, but you're not. You're, you're clearly a human, and you want to get all mad because they don't call you Tomato. Well, how about you just let, let people refer to you however they want to? We, this is the first time that I have ever heard where we're demanding that people call us certain things. And w- really, if we're all being honest, I would be willing to say that 99% of the emails that tell you what to call them are from people who we would have already called them that, right? I would never see like John and be like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if that's a her or a he. Or I would never see like, Felipe, and think like, I wonder if that's a senor or a senora. Uh, I don't know. But people want to be, they want to be seen as, oh, I'm okay with people requesting for their pronouns, so I'm going to put my requested pronoun in there too. Like, I don't know. This is where I would love to have people come on the show. I don't know how to find anybody, but I would love for people to come on the show who do put their pronouns in the email and explain to me the reasoning behind it, because I am genuinely curious. It there's a big part of me, I'm not gonna lie, that thinks that it's virtue signaling. It's it's not so that people know your pronouns. It's so that you can communicate to the rest of the world that you are participating in the pronoun game. Maybe I should start putting like Second Amendment in the bottom of my email. Like I support the Second Amendment. That would be the same, right? Why not just put at the bottom of your email? I support trans. I mean, I would rather see that than people making these silly, silly demands. It reminds me of like a little child saying, Daddy, I'm a kitty cat, and for today, I will only meow, and you cannot talk to me. And everything you say to me, I'll go meow, meow, meow. And that's this is like all kids do this at some point, and apparently all adults do it at some point too. Most of them probably have purple hair and a lot of piercings. But whatever. Uh, you, you got you got the, some big testicles to pull this off, bro. We as black people, it's time. It's time for us to come together. It's time for us to rebuild a New Orleans, the one that should be a chocolate New Orleans. And I don't care what people are saying uptown or wherever they are. This city will be chocolate at the end of the day. Does that mean like It'll be chocolate, like milk chocolate, or just that the people who live there will have black skin. This city will be a majority African-American city. Okay, there's the answer. It's the way God wants it to be. How do you know that? That's my question. This was the mayor called Ray Nagin. He was the mayor of New Orleans when Katrina wiped it out. And according to Ray Nagin, God 
wanted to be all black city. You can't have New Orleans no other way. All right. Okay. It wouldn't be New Orleans. Okay, Ray, you got it. Chocolate City coming up. You got it. And with that, I will set you free from this podcast. We wouldn't have it no other way, like Ray Nagin say. I do appreciate you listening to the Don't Sue Me Bro podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. If you have not listened to my intro, go check out worldsbesthammocks.com. There you will find the most amazing hammocks in the entire world. Free shipping from me to you. I hope everyone has a great week this week. I would like for you to go out there, work your ass off, help someone in need, pay attention to these corrupt politicians that do not keep supporting them, even if they are women and minorities. That doesn't mean you have to support them. You can still hold them to the same standard as everyone else, just like the colleges are about to do. If you don't know the answer to something, just say you don't know. Don't be like Miss South Carolina. And take some time to find humor in things. Find humor in things that maybe you're not supposed to. Don't be scared to admit when you think something's funny because you're fearful that those around you might not think it's funny. Take pride in your sense of humor and own it. Thanks again for listening to the Don't Sue Me Bro podcast. Whatever you do, don't sue me, bro. Okay.